Light of Christmas, part four. Have you had an opportunity to take the time to read the Christmas story yet this season? And I would say that uh, most, most have not taken the time to be able to do that. At our house, we, uh, we read the Christmas story uh, on Christmas morning before uh, opening gifts. And uh, all, our, all our kids, you know, are usually there except one that's in rebellion. And the others are there, though. Uh, but they eventually make their way on over to the house. I want to talk about the Christmas story. And when I talk about the Christmas story, you think, okay, let's let some kid read the story, and that's good. We have some uh, classroom in the Christian school be able to reenact and show Mary and Joseph and all that's uh, going on. It's important to know, however, is we're going to build this message because I want you to begin to open your mind and your spirit and say, all right, God, what do you have to say to me? I want to get beyond, okay, we're going to talk about the Christmas story. I want to get beyond that into maybe a deeper realm or invade the gray matter between your ears in your cranium and say, all right, Spirit of God, speak to me in your wisdom, but at the same time, touch, uh, touch my heart. It alarms me that unfortunately many people will open gifts and celebrate Christmas and, and never read the Christmas story. To them, it's about, hey, it's Christmas, and they leave often Christ out of Christmas and celebrate. It's a gift exchange, etc. But there are, in fact, four records of the life of Jesus Four, they are recorded in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're important. And it must be important for them to record four different Gospels about the life and the person of Jesus Christ. We don't just have one account, but we have four accounts. And the breakdown, breakdown goes that Matthew and Luke actually give the, what's called the birth narrative. They tell the Christmas story. And Mark and John, uh, they touch on it lightly, but not necessarily the birth of Jesus. Mark, of course, is the shortest of all the Gospels, and, and this is how he starts, as if, okay, he's talking about the life of Jesus, but he's talking about does, it, does the Christmas story really matter? So and he starts out, listen to how he starts out. Mark 1.1, 1, 1, the beginning of the Gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that's it. That's it. That's all he says in the beginning of the gospel, but it is deep in what he says. We know that as you move through that, John has the last gospel that was written, and it's fascinating. John doesn't tell us uh, what happened. Uh, he tells us why we have the Christmas story and you remember that Jesus asked him to take Mary, his mother, and say, John, you take care of her. And you know in the previous uh, message or two that uh, he took her, we believe, to Ephesus, and there she died. And we remember, of course, that John, when he wrote the Gospel of John, he was old. He was the last one to, to weigh in. 
But he teaches this in the beginning of his gospel. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Okay, the word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. But when you take a moment and pause about that, the word, God, the word, God, the Holy Spirit, the word, Jesus, made himself flesh. That's no little thing that a king of anyone's imagination in the universe who is all-powerful, who can raise a finger and create a storm that could wreak havoc, who could straighten Pharaoh up in a heartbeat, who could hold a person up with his hand walking on water, that that God had a son, his name Jesus, would leave the regal throne and the robe in heaven and come down and dwell among people made out of dirt. You'd say, what did I do to cause that kind of visitation? And the answer is nothing, but it's found in your Christmas story. John said, here's what I know. No darkness can hide the truth. In other words, the truth wins every single time. And he makes that statement. And he said, the truth is not a document. The truth is, is not a thesis. The truth is found in a person. So truth came to confront the darkness of lies and to dwell among us for one reason. He said, it's personal to me, John did. He said, he came just to redeem me. He said, he came to redeem everyone, but he said, what really strikes it for me is he came to redeem me. And if he didn't redeem anyone else, to know that I was chosen by him is an amazing thing. He said, here's something else I saw as he had time to write. He said, those who believe in his name shall be saved. Not believe that you're a Christian or church or anything of that nature, a baptismal certificate. He said, anyone that believes in his name, the name of Jesus, shall be saved. He said, it means that you are trusting him. Oh, yeah, I know Jesus, but do you trust him? It means, have you received him? Have you become the children of Almighty God? He's endeavoring to get across that this is not just a little story that we call a Christmas story, but it is the very reason why that Matthew and Luke talks about the birth, talks about the Christ child, and gave an entire purpose an entire mission that when Jesus was born, he was born with purpose, and we'll discover that, and he was born with an acute interest in the mission. The Jews thought he came to redeem them as Messiah. We know that. We know that they thought he was a physical warrior. He's going to take on the big Roman Empire. Babylonian Empire was taken over by the Persian Empire. Persian Empire taken over by the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire's there and, and people are saying that's who he is. No matter what he did, John said, uh-uh, I found something deeper. He said he didn't come to take over the Roman Empire and sit on a, an earthly throne. He came on to face a greater power. And he said that greater power is called sin. That greater power is called death. That greater power is called lie. 
that greater power is called deception. And he said there was only one who could face the deception, face the lie, face death. There was only one. Why he came was to take control over the greatest power known to man, and it was the power of sin. And only Jesus, coming as a Christ child, could be the one to say, I came so you could be set free. So now the Christmas story means more than that. He came and presented his life as the supreme sacrifice. But guess what? The disciples don't get it. They just don't get it. They thought he's going to sit on that earthly throne. Three years they kept waiting for Jesus to make his move, and that's why they thought he came. They said, here he is, and yeah, he's unusual. He's performed miracles. They saw him cast devils out. They saw him heal the sick. They saw him cast leprosy out. They saw him walk on water. They saw him call forth the dead out of the grave, and yet they still had their agenda. He's going to sit on an earthly throne. Their agenda was he'll be a physical king. It was right before them. May I tell you today, according to the Word of God, this Christmas season is a great time that we know the purpose of Christmas But there are multiplied millions of people who will sit in churches today around the world. And they'll sit there and cross the box on, went to church on the Sunday before Christmas. And the reality is they have God as what will do for their agenda. God, I need you to heal me. God, I need you to save somebody. God, I need to intervene financially. We all have agendas for God. Let me suggest to you and tell you flat out, there's only one reason Jesus came, and it's not to make you better financially, not to heal you, not to make a way where there is no way. He stepped between the gap of heaven and earth and said, I came for one reason. You were lost and doomed for hell, and someone had to stand in the way, and I chose to stand in the way and become the sacrifice. I did. So when you think you are Miss Tutti Fruity, and you think you're Mr. Joe Cool, and all that goes with it, you are naked, lost, undone, and headed for hell. Had not Jesus say, I'll become flesh. You think about it. When you read that Christmas story, it surely takes on a different meaning. John says, but do you believe in him? If you know that message, do you trust in him? And here's what he said. And I'm paraphrasing. He said, if you don't believe in him and you don't trust him, you have a different agenda than Jesus does. He said, I saw the miracles. I saw Peter jump out of the boat and I peered into the tomb and I I saw all of that. And then it dawned on him what others was not able to see. He said, none of that is the point of why he came. We mentioned a few months ago the Christmas, or a few moments ago, the Christmas story found in Matthew and in Luke. And Luke, of course, is uh, considered to be the physician. And oh, Luke, he's, uh, he's good. He is, he is a physician, but Luke thinks, hey, Matthew, you know, I understand, son, but and Mark, I understand you. And John, I mean, you're going to have to get off the stump, son, if you're going to write anything. 
It's about time you did it. I mean, you got to the place now you're wearing bifocals and you're having to wear an oxygen mask. If you're going to write anything, you better hurry up and do it. And John says, hey, it's not my time to write it, Luke. You go ahead, big boy. Luke said, okay. Somebody spoke up and said, hey, Luke, and you better do a good job writing it because you know that most doctors cannot write. It's called scribble. And God has given me that gift. Here's what Luke did. Luke said, I know that there's some of you that use your mind more than you do your heart. And I know some of you seem to think two and two's got to add up to four. And I know some of you are so rational. But he said, I want you to know, don't forget the verse in the Bible that says God uses the simple things to confound the wise. And then he says that my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But Luke said, I'm going to settle it. And this is what Luke did. In chronological order, Luke interviewed every person that was alive in that day about the life of Jesus. He found the shepherds and he said, I want to interview you. My name is Dr. Luke. I'd like for you to tell me your story. You wise guys out there, I want you to tell me your story. Mary, I want you to tell me. I want you to tell me what happened. John, help me out here. You live with her the latter part of his life. And the Bible says that Luke took time to be sure that he dotted every I and crossed. Come on now, and crossed every T. How y'all doing up in the balcony? Say amen. There you go. How many of you in the balcony think you look better than the ones down here? Raise your hand. The whole balcony raised their hand. No, I'm just kidding. Somebody said, boy, I like the way you use humor. Why do you use humor? I said, to keep people awake. Well, if you preach louder and faster, they'd stay awake. Why don't I try that out for size? But Luke said, I want to give you an intellectual view that I can back up by supporting evidence. So now you know that he tells the story of the birth of Jesus strategically. And this is what he says in Luke 1, verse number 3. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you most excellent Theophilus. And he gives an account and he makes a statement and reviews and he said that God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth who spoke with the Virgin Mary who was pledged to be married to Joseph, Joseph being a descendant of David. And when the angel spoke to her, he said in Luke 1, 28, greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, if you were Mary, I want you to know that would upset your apple cart. An angel appears and says, greeting you, you are highly favored. Oh, wow, I'm highly favored. I'm scared out of my wits right now. And then you're going to go on and say, the Lord is with you. The Bible says that it upset Mary. She got upset. She was very troubled is what the Bible said. And then the angel recognized that she's upset as anybody would be. Then he says, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. Wow. Favor with God. What, what does that mean? And after sharing with her that she was going to have a child, a son, he said, here's the name, Yushia, 
Yeshia, that is the name of the son, meaning son of the Most High God. Now, most every mother thinks their son is special. Most everyone, and few mothers have been disappointed. But for an angel to come along and say, your son is going to be the son of the Most High, that would just bring a little bit of a wrinkle across your face. And everything Luke writes, get this now, can be found in the Old Testament. Luke went back, checked the record out, and said, wow, these things so far that's happened were prophesied hundreds of years ago, and it came to pass by the witness and by those that I have interviewed. There's another prophecy that's not found in Luke. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew, and it says that that Mary will have a child, but it'll be by the Holy Spirit and, and not by Joseph. And they were committed to each other, and, and they, were, they were not married. Mary said, well, Joseph never laid a hands on me. Joseph said, you know what? The angel said must be true, but because you're getting a little plump, things are beginning to show. Well, what did that mean? Let me tell you, if you were a lady and you had Mary, you had a baby out of wedlock, here was the penalty. Oftentimes, you'd be burned to death. Hey, what happened? You don't deserve to live. You'd be executed. You certainly would be ostracized. Now, the more she shows, I mean, there's only so much you can cover up by those blankets that they wore back in those days. She's pregnant. And how many of you know that kind of news travels like wildfire, even today. You don't deserve to live. Mary had to live for that. Thanks. I thought you said I was highly favored. Oh, you are. Just bear with me. Joseph looked and said, what in the world am I going to do? Some of Joseph's family members came to Joseph and said, Joseph, you better get rid of her. Buddy, don't even hang out with her. She's not doing what she ought to be doing. And you need to be. And so the Bible says that he would not expose her to public disgrace, but quietly he desired to divorce her. Well, what kind of favor is that? Joseph over here that I deeply love is, I'm, I hear him, he's talking in a roundabout way. He wants to end our relationship. Now imagine the pain and the emotional challenge of Mary facing all of this, while at the same time Joseph is fake. What would you do? How would you manage it? What was the purpose? And in the writing of Matthew, Matthew said, His name when he comes shall be called Jesus, which was at that interpretation was the same as Joshua. Well, Joshua, Joshua was a conqueror. Joshua was a fighter. Joshua was the one that went into the promised land and took city after city after city. He was known as a mighty man and a mighty warrior. Oh, yeah, this is perfect. Jesus is going to become that mighty war warrior and Luke continues his story and shares that Caesar Augustus was the Roman emperor at that time. He was the king there and the emperor of wrong. And then they get news. Hey, a Jewish king has been born. His name is Jesus. Well, we got conflict here. Luke said, go take a look at the Old Testament and you'll find from the beginning of time, the intention of conflict was going to be there because out of the writings of Old Testament prophecy, it prophesied that one day a Savior would be born. And one day he would be born in Bethlehem hundreds of years before it happened. 
This Christmas story is packed with muscle. Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth. They've got to go to Jerusalem. They're 80 or 90 miles away from Bethlehem. The Old Testament prophecy said the king would be born in Bethlehem. Joseph went, I got to pay the tax. So he went. That was all prophesied. You got to pay it in Jerusalem. We know that Joseph is a God-fearing man. He would not leave Mary. He wanted to give her as much protection as he possibly could. He said, Mary, you know I got to go pay taxes, but I know how the community is treating you. They're not being fair with you. Some of them won't even talk to you anymore. No one wants to have coffee with you, wants to have tea with you, wants to break bread with you. So why don't you come and go to me? And she said, really? He said, sure. I've got a Cadillac donkey here. It's the Cadillac of all donkeys. Most donkeys, most donkeys have a spine that's pointed. But this is a Cadillac donkey. His spine is dome shaped. So it won't be as hard. She said, but Joseph, you know that I'm, I'm right at the time. I'm just a week or so away from delivery. It's all right, Mary. She sat on that donkey sideways. God forbid that she straddled the donkey. Now, I know some of you ladies are so heroic. You'd said it wouldn't bother me. I'd straddle that donkey and say, let's go, Joseph. But not Mary. She was more ladylike. She sat on the side of that donkey. How many times do you think Joseph had to stop to let her go to the bathroom? Hello? Joseph was not a type A personality. Do you know how I know that? It would have been recorded. All right, Mary, it's going to take us five to eight days to get there. You're going to get two opportunities a day to go to the bathroom, and that's it. The rest of the time, you hold it until we get there. That's type A personality. That was not Joseph. How many of you know a type A personality? You know one? I do. But for that period of time, now listen, I'm going to give you a little reality. Mary sat there quiet. Joseph, did you have to hit that hole with that donkey? You hit every pothole in the world. And would you slow this donkey down? The speed limit is three miles an hour, and you're going over that. You're going five miles an hour. Don't you know that I'm pregnant? Slow the donkey down. Is that normal? It's normal. Slow it down. Can you keep going? You, you're just too fast for me. Now, she was murmuring and complaining. Joseph must have been thinking, what did I do to get myself into this kind of a situation? What in the world? Why in the world did you put me in this situation? You know I got to go pay tax. Mary, would you just pipe down? You said, is that really the way it was? I'd, I'd say that's pretty natural. And we find that description, that complaining and murmuring was there. It's cold. It's difficult. And Luke writes about the shepherds. And he said the shepherds. Shepherds in the field, it's cold. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. Wow. Man, this is unusual. Here the angels there, the shepherds look. What, what's, what about shepherds? Why shepherds? Shepherds were ceremonially unclean. 
They were not, shepherds were not the cream of the crop. Shepherds were not even allowed to go in the temple. Shepherds were dirty and nasty. And they were ceremonially unclean. And you look, they weren't allowed to go in the temple. And you think, and an angel appeared to the shepherds and gave them the royal announcement of birth. And the angel said, hey, unto you born this day in the city of David, a Savior is going to be born. The angel did not go to the influential, did not go to the king, or the person did not go to the wealthy or the influential. In that day, the angel went to the shepherds. You know what the story is saying to us? Hey, God chose people that other people would overlook. He didn't look at the outside. He looked at the inside. And he said, you don't deserve my redemption. You don't deserve my gift. You don't have a pedigree. You don't have the money. You don't have the talent. But listen, I love you with more love than you can ever imagine. And friend, that That's why I was chosen. It's not all the things that you had, but because his love looked down and said, you're not worthy, but I make you worthy. And you can be grateful because I'm telling you, I think that's the story with most of us. And then there's something else. It's amazing. Everything that an emperor did was recorded. And anything a famous general did was recorded. And that's it. Nothing else was recorded in the record. But you pay attention. There are four records of the life and birth of Jesus. Four accounts of his story. He wasn't an emperor. He wasn't a famous general. But God said, I want to be certain that the story doesn't go unnoticed. And today throughout this planet, people are reading the story of the life and birth of Jesus Christ. And it's not getting weaker and minuscule. The story of Jesus is becoming greater and greater and greater. And still the number one book ever sold today is this book right here. And it's about Jesus. Well, something happened that was out of the ordinary into the extraordinary, into the supernatural. And God said, it's important. I want it recorded. Matthew, get it right. Luke, you get it right. Now, John, time for you to write your gospel. And we know that John began to write, as we told you a couple of weeks ago, that the story of Jesus Christ and the birth of Jesus has been protected and the Christmas celebration is as strong today in celebration itself as it's ever been. The shepherds arrived and they looked at the Christ child and the Bible says they left there and told everybody they knew. This is what we saw. This is what happened just like the Bible prophesied it. And then Luke writes that Mary pondered those things in her heart. Her reputation had been shattered. No doubt she had plenty of time to think about when it happened. She remembered the pains of having the birth. She realized as she watched him teach in the temple, she knew that he was a peculiar child. 
But there came a moment in her life when she saw him hang on the cross. And she heard him say, it is finished. She came to the realization. That's no ordinary baby. And her heart was moved according to the scripture. She came to the realization. That's not only my son. But that's my savior. There comes a time that all of us in life have to come to a conclusion. Who is your savior? Who is your Lord? Who do you serve? What is it that excites you? What's your passion about? What is it that you've got going? What's your claim to fame? And it all boils down to one thing. You have nothing. When you stand before Jesus, unless You've been marked by the blood. John said, now I know why he came. I don't have the what, but I know the why. Mary, I know why you suffered. It had to be. Had he not been born of flesh, he would not understand the pain and the emotion of flesh. Joseph, you wanted to quit. I wouldn't let you quit. I let you go through the pain and the anxiety of having friendship and relationship with a person that was disdained by the rest of the community. You stayed with it. You think you stayed with it by your own strength. You stayed with it because it was my will you stay with it. John said, now I see Jesus is the reason for the season. That sounds good. But I submit to you that that's not the reason. Here it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in and upon him should not perish but have everlasting life. John said, I found the reason. Jesus could have bailed, could have given up, could have said, I have put my lot of sacrifice in. But instead of bailing, he said, not my will. Not my agenda. Not my exercise in futility. But your will be done. And this Christmas season, this Sunday before Christmas, and those of you, thousands of you watching online, you will need to come to that conclusion. And there's only two conclusions. One, I've already done that. I have put my faith and my trust in the Lord. And how do we know that you have? Because you have fruit that produces that kind of commitment. You don't just shadow box with God. You are all in. Sleeves rolled up. You are in there. 
Believing that lost people will die and go to hell upsets your heart. You're standing and saying, whatever I need to do, here I am, God, sign me up. That's you. And then the other, the other is, yeah, I believe in church and I understand all that. Yeah, and I believe Christmas. But you've never trusted him this way. You've never said, God, I want to give up my will, my desire. I want to give up my hopes and my dreams. And I want to cast them down at your feet. I want to become and be what you want me to be. And I sacrifice my will to follow you. Only two. Only two. And as we move through that process of John's gospel, and he said, here's the why to it all, then we also know, for God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Listen carefully, friend. This is not just a little Christmas story. It is the life-saving story of God's love. And it's found in a simple story. And it's recorded by four individuals as a matter of record. And today is the day in which God has shared that story with you. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your grace and your care. We trust you. I know there are people here in this room and thousands in the first service and down at Lakeside and we know a whole lot of celebration has already started in the lives of many families. But Lord, we cannot get by this moment. We cannot get by this moment of confrontation. We cannot get by this moment of conviction. Conviction is the love of God initiated by the Holy Spirit to identify a need in which God desires to fix. And Holy Spirit, if you're speaking to me through conviction and you look at me and you don't see any fruit and you, you look at my life, God, and, and my name's not in the Lamb's book of life, I don't want that to be I want to not only hear the Christmas story, I want to believe the Christmas story, but I want to be a part of the Christmas story. And God, that's one. The other are those of us who believe the story, we've trusted in the story, but the story doesn't have the pizzazz that it used to have, maybe. We don't understand, we see it, oh, let the kids, and we understand all that. But there is a real place where Jesus was born. There is a real place where he was buried. And there is a real tomb that is empty all because of God's divine plan. And there is a space in the Lamb's book of life for my name. And I pray, oh, Father God, all of us will have that name 
etched into that space through the power of the love of Jesus. Maybe you're here and you say, well, I, I need to get things right. I need to really, really buckle down and live for God. Maybe I need to tighten things up or maybe I just need to say, Lord, I wanna, I, I'm, I'm lost, I'm lost. And I'm gonna ask you, everyone in this room to repeat this prayer, would you do that? Only takes a moment. Here we go, everybody. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I, confess my sins. I confess my sins. I believe by faith, believe by faith. You, died you died to redeem me. To redeem me. So, I stand before you, so I stand before you, unworthy, unworthy. But, in need of but in need of a Savior. A savior. Jesus, I believe Jesus, I believe that you are that Savior. You are that savior. I receive you, I receive you into, my heart into my heart and into my life. In Jesus' name, name. amen. Praise God. If you need prayer, whatever reason you do, we believe God that God will touch you and anoint you. The Bible says, any sick among you, let them come, let the elders pray and anoint them with oil. We'll do that. But if you prayed that prayer, some of you up there, you said, I meant it. You remember Billy Graham Crusades? You can watch some of them still. They'd pray a prayer, but you know what he'd say? Now, all of you who prayed that prayer and in your heart of hearts, you really meant it. He said, would you just come and stand as a statement of your faith? Would you let God know that your love for him is greater than your personal pride? Would you let God know that you're not afraid of anyone or anyone else, but you're willing to live and stand straight up for him. If you are, he would say, come. This could be a life-changing moment. It will be a life-changing moment for many of you. And those of you watching online, just reach out toward that apparatus that you're looking at the service on and just reach out for the Lord. As we sing this song, whatever your need is, you come. Stay with me. I'll give the benediction in just a moment. Here we go. can still come. Heavenly Father, thank you today for this Sunday before Christmas. We deliver the Christmas story. We deliver it with passion and intention. But that story is alive if you just read it right out of the Bible. It will grip your heart. I pray for all of our family here at Victory Church in our community of more than 6,000. I ask you, Give favor to those in whom you choose to give favor. Give us guidance and wisdom and anointing. 
Lord, we'll thank you for that. May we have a blessed, blessed day and a wonderful Christmas. Bless us until we return tomorrow night at 6.30 for communion. Let it be so in your name. Amen. I ask you to pray before you exit. We have one young man that they just found a five by eight mass in his chest. Just a young man, not married or anything. The parents are saying, Pastor, would you pray? We got another report of someone else that is headed to Moffitt tomorrow. Another report of someone else. Just, and these are individuals that are not old people. Not by any stretch of the imagination. We've had eight funerals in eight days. And so let me ask you to do something. When you get with your family, take pictures. One of the things that we hear is, boy, we didn't have enough pictures. Wish we'd have captured that. So I'm asking you to remember, get as many pictures of your family members as you can. And if your parents are older and grandparents, get a picture. Have that time of fellowship. Learn something about them so that you capture it. And should the Lord tarry, at least you'll know, boy, I've got a record. I want to remember that. And should that time come, and it will, if the Lord tarries. You'll say, I remember we took that picture. I remember the day pastor encouraged us, and that's when we got it, in front of the tree or the manger scene or at the family gathering or whatever the case. Just plan to do that, my friend. And may God's bless you, and may God's blessing rest upon you, and may you have a merry, merry Christmas. Amen. Now turn to somebody you don't like and say, God bless you. Pour out our praise, pour out our praise to your bread.